Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special bonus conference coverage episode of Human Factors Cast. We're recording this live on September 3rd, uh, 2021. Actually, it's not live. It's pre-recorded. <laughs> but I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Christy Harper, owner of End-to-End User Research. And we are here to talk about uh, UXPA International. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Great oh, thank you here. for thank you for coming on. Uh, so we are covering UXPA International today. Um, so I figured we'd just kind of get into what UXPA is. I know uh, a lot of people kind of see that thrown around, but um, can you tell us a little bit about UXPA and what it is? Sure. So it's User Experience Professionals Association. Um, it's set up similar to HFES, if you're familiar with that, in that it has local chapters and a national um, presence. And then it has uh, a national conference and also has some smaller um, local conferences. So this was the national conference. Uh, UXPA used to be, at one point in time, Usability Professionals Association, but that's going back quite a way. So if you've heard of that, that is now UXBA. And um, last year, of course, they had to cancel their conference. Um, and so this is their first time back in a little while to have um, something in person. Yeah, we can talk about that in just a minute. But um, so UXPA, it's a conference that um, supports research design and kind of evaluating that user experience of products and services. Uh, it sounds like, and and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like there's a lot more, um, or it's it's more sort of industry focused than HFES, where you might have more an academic focus in HFES. Uh, you might have more of an industry focus and sort of best practices, design trends, those types of things at UXP. Is that right? That's exactly right. So I think um, HFES does tend more towards the scientific and the academic, where UXPA. There are um, researchers, there are human factors people there, and there are also designers and um, people who are very much in industry and doing very applied work. So the talks seem to be more about, you know, how to work in industry as opposed to um, scientific, you know, findings, research type things. Yeah, and I think UXPA are the folks behind U World Usability Day, right? <laughs> Is that... Do you know about yes. that? <laughs> That's them. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So um, you actually went to UXPA this year. Uh, and I was we're, I was wondering what actually brought you to the conference this year. You know, a lot of people are kind of on the fence about whether or not they should go to conferences in person um, right now, especially during COVID. Uh, but you had a reason to be there, right? Yes, I uh, did a talk this year. So, uh, you know, last year... I was planning to go, obviously COVID changed everything and no, they didn't have the conference and nobody went, but they contacted me and said, do you still wanna do your talk from last year? And so I did a talk about um, how to show the return on investment of UX research. And you wouldn't think you would have to show return on investment, but a lot of times you do, because you know part of this job is selling your research, right? So 
that was my primary reason. And it was also that I hadn't been out in a very long time. And uh, what they promised to do was to make sure that they kept really big rooms. There was a lot of um, space for people to be far apart and socially distanced and masks were required unless you were speaking. So it felt pretty good, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of talked about a little bit about the venue this year. What was it like in the past? Like traditionally, what does UXPA look like, right? How many people, what kind of setup? Is it similar to HFES? I think that's a good frame of reference for a lot of uh, folks that listen to the show. Uh, What was it like in the past? So in the past, I would say it's more like five or 600 people. It has a similar format in, in that one day they have workshops and then the rest of the days they have, um, talks throughout the day. And sometimes they have multiple tracks. They'll have two or usually three tracks. Um, although it wasn't quite like that this time, but they usually have about three tracks. They have an opening reception. They also have a closing reception though, which I think is kind of nice. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's usually pretty big, right? And it's in the same kind of hotels that you would expect to find HFES, you know, in sort of uh, cities with touristy kind of areas and places to go when you're not at the conference. Yeah. So how did things change for COVID? I know you mentioned like larger rooms, maybe a little bit less people. What were uh, some of the bigger changes that you noticed? Well, um, First of all, there weren't um, as many people, obviously. Uh, the talks, there were less talks. So they were, um, instead of having three tracks, you might only have, for some we had three, but for some there were two only. And then, you know, there were just a lot of things that happened that some people, um, because of the storm also, some people who were driving in from other places had to, you know, turn around and go back. So on top of you know, the COVID restrictions and um, dealing with that, other people had the storm to deal with and weren't able to get in. So um, that was kind of uh, strange. But, you know, in another way, having a smaller group, you got to see people over and over again. UXPA provides breakfast and lunch as part of their um, conference package. So you would see people at breakfast and then you might see the same person at lunch and then at the reception. And because it was smaller, you ran into people more often. Cause you know, in a big, huge conference, you, you see people once and you may not see them again for a few days, right? You may not really get to talk to them, but because of the nature of this being small and contained, I think I met people and got to know them on a little bit of a deeper level this year. That's kind of cool. It, it feel it, it sounds like it felt a little bit more intimate where, um, you know, I, I think it'd probably be more obvious by the, the first lunch or second breakfast that, oh yeah, I'm going to see a lot of these people. And it's almost like, a, a a subtle encouragement to get up and introduce yourself or have a conversation with somebody that you're going to be sharing the next couple of days with. Uh, one point I do want to make is that you mentioned, uh, the storm, uh, we are recording this on the third. So the conference concluded yesterday and, um, I guess the aftermath of Ida uh, coming through is, is kind of what you were mentioning there just for anyone who's listening later in the future or wondering what we're talking about. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, I actually kind of like that intimate approach and, and um, wonder how maybe conferences, this is just me speculating how conferences can maybe harness that in the future. 
of, you know, even even with conferences with larger attendance, perhaps bringing in some of that intimacy and encouraging, um, you know, that networking aspect. Um, I do want to get into the conference itself. It sounds like, um, you know, there's a couple different tracks. There's a couple there was talks, there were posters. Uh, I want to get into kind of what some of your favorite talks, moments and posters were. Um, so we can start with talks. Did you have any favorite talks from the event? Well, you know, I really did enjoy the keynote. The keynote was Justin Dower, and he was talking about um, working towards having connection and fulfillment in your career. And he talked about being in a company where he was just doing research and testing and he didn't really care about the product. He wasn't motivated to go to work, you know, and thinking about, you know, do you want to do that for 20 years or do you want to find a place where you feel more fulfilled in the work that you're doing, which I think is always something to think about, right? Nobody wants to spend their entire career just sort of going through the motions. Like, so I, I kind of appreciated that. It was, I felt like it was a good start to the conference. Kind of an uplifting, uh, yeah. what are you doing with your life? Get out there, find the thing you're passionate about. I, I like that message too. Um, and I think, you know, we, we try to echo that on the show. It's like, find something that you're passionate about or, um, you know, find your niche. Uh, and so... <laughs> Uh, what about posters? There's a poster session. Was there one poster session, multiple poster sessions? There was one poster session, but it was really small. I want to say six or seven posters. And so the way they okay. did it, they would have coffee breaks. And so they extended one coffee break to be longer. And that's when the posters, uh, poster presenters were there. But the posters were up through the entire conference. So whenever you had a break, you were able to go over and look at them. Most of them had QR codes that led to uh, further information about the poster if you wanted to read about it. So I thought that was really helpful um, in case you didn't get a chance to actually um, speak to the author of the poster. But they, they had a lot of That's other good. interesting talks, too. Oh, you want to talk more about talks? Uh, or, or are <laughs> you talking about say, like with the I posters? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I was going to say I thought it was interesting that um, there were so many government talks, and that may have been the location, right? That like there were four or five uh, yeah. talks about working in the government. There were a lot of talks about accessibility, um, and there was one about chatbots, autonomous vehicles. But the rest of the talks were very, very like how to get the most out of your UX career. What does a senior UX person do? How, how do you make that transition when you're in the mid-career and decide whether to go to management or stay in research? Um, and then there were skills things like journey mapping and making the best surveys. And so I think it's very applied, but I think there was enough of a range that a lot of people would get something out of it. Yeah, it definitely sounds like, uh, at least from some of those uh, themes that you mentioned for talks, it sounds like it'd be a lot more uh, applicable to kind of those early to mid-career professionals who are looking for uh, to, to keep up with design trends or uh, keep up with, um, you know, research uh, methods that are coming out or anything like that, as well as kind of answering some of those career questions uh, or, or sort of highly, um, highly, what's the word I'm looking for? Most frequently asked questions about career path, those types of things. Um, yeah, it sounds like there was, there was quite a, 
a, a range of, of topics there. And it sounds like uh, a great conference. And I'm, I'm like I said, I may have mentioned it on this episode. I don't know. If, I mentioned it before when we were talking, but I haven't actually been to UXPA before. It's been something that's on my list. Um, something that, uh, you know, for one reason or another overlap with HFES or similar, um, temporal proximity can't attend. Um, and so I'm glad that we have sort of this coverage. I, uh, and are able to talk with you. Um, are there any other favorite posters that you saw while you were there? No, um, no, I actually didn't spend a lot of time at the posters. I was mainly going to talks. And then because I had my own talk, I was like fine tuning right. that in between. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then um, just what, what were some of your favorite moments uh, in general from the conference? Well, I thought, I, I thought it was really nice, the whole networking piece of it. And that may have been because we've been away from that for so long. Um, everything I've been attending has been virtual and, um, even the way I work has changed. You know, we don't go into the office as often unless we need to, right? If you're not running research, you know, you don't really need to be up there. So, you know, everybody's being more careful. Um, but I felt like at, there was just so much sort of deeper networking. So, everything became more fun. Like the breakfast and lunch were more fun. The coffee breaks, you weren't standing by yourself checking your email. You were talking to people that you'd already met. So, you know, there were some like really aha moments in some of the talks, but I think what stuck with me the most when I left was sort of this like, wow, I really made connections. Like I really, and I met somebody from Houston and we're going to get together again um, in Houston. And I met somebody else from San Antonio who's coming to Houston for another uh, work thing and we're going to get together. So I feel like there was just a lot more of that kind of activity that was really exciting for me. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds uh, like a great, like I said, I think, I think if there's a way for conferences to harness that, um, that intimacy of a small conference at a large event, I think that's kind of the key, right? Uh, I want to talk about key takeaways from the conference. You said there were a couple aha moments from the talks, but you know, was there anything that you learned that you're going to bring home um, for your own research or anything like that? Well, you know, we don't do as much work with software, but there were a lot of interesting talks about how to work with an agile development cycle, which is something that's interesting to me because I love that idea of sort of fitting something into somebody else's process and working quickly. And, you know, I really like that. They talked a little bit, um, there was a talk about the right method, which is that rapid iterative testing. And that's another thing I really like to do. Um, and, you know, there was there were talks about how to get into UX research, how to get your job and things like that. But there were also talks about what do you do as a senior person? How do you thrive when you feel like, you know, you've done this for a long time, especially if you don't want to be a manager? And they talked a lot about mentoring and um, finding ways to be fulfilled later in your career, which was kind of, I thought, a nice thing to talk about. Um, that you don't usually get, you know, a lot of things are really 
aimed at junior level, right? So it was nice to see just a few talks um, looking at people who are in mid and senior level careers. Yeah, that is a great point. Um, you know, like you said, most sort of these frequently asked questions are typically geared towards the um, folks just out of school or mid-career. And you're right, there is kind of a, a lack of resources for um, the the people who are heading a lot of these departments and might not know kind of what to do next. And they're just kind of winging it. And uh, it sounds like it was a good kind of support system for those types of roles. Um, any Anything else you want to mention about UXPA? international? Um, I, I think it's worth um, checking out because I, I know um, a, a lot of the people I know go to HFES and this is very different. So if you're in industry, if you're a practitioner, if you're interested in applied work, I think this is a nice um, balance to HFES. I love HFES and I, you know, but I like going to both because I think there it's a different crowd. There's um, you just meet new people and it's a different approach to a conference. So I, I would say to check it out. Awesome. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the UXPA recap. Uh, if you like, you can hang out with us on our Slack or Discord, get to us on any of our social channels, uh, visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news and conference coverage. If you like what you hear, there's a couple things you can do to support the show. One, you can leave us a five-star review. That always helps us out. Two, tell your friends about us. Or three, consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, and as always, links to all of our socials and website will be in the description of this episode. I want to thank Christy Harper for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk more about UXPA or just get in touch with you? Okay, well, I'm on Twitter at ChristyY41. You can also look me up, Christy Harper, on LinkedIn or go to our business website, which is um, endtoenduserresearch.com. And as for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. So, Christy, at the end of the show, we like to say it depends because in all things human factors and user experience, it always depends. So I'm going to count us down. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time, three, two, one. It, it depends. depends. <laughs> Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. 
They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.